Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Oh, you didn't know? We're taking over! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling with a Bear. Are you ready to wrestle? Because this is the Bear of Texas, and you're listening to Wrestling with a Bear. And I am his podcasting tag team partner, professional wrestler, Chris Rex. We're going to talk a little WWE. Something that's been hitting the, the news lately is the release of Andrade. I feel really horrible because Andrade, charismatic, very talented dude. I did research, Chris, because I wanted to know why he was released, okay? Because I don't want to just assume that it was because he was happy. Well, obviously he wasn't happy, but why was he unhappy? According to what I read, he had a conversation with Randy Orton. And Randy Orton apparently also expressed his disappointment in the fact that Andrade was not being used right. Because Andrade apparently had not been on TV in about six months. Now, we all know Andrade is a former NXT champion. You know, he was paired up with Zelina Vega, a very good manager. As he was brought up to the main roster... He had that feud with Rey Mysterio, and they put the U.S. title belt on him. Held the title for, you know, a respectable amount of time. He would lose the belt, but then things would go down south. But I did further research because apparently after Paul Heyman was relieved of his duties, okay, that's where Andrade's push came to an end. And then he was, and then he was, he disappeared from television, and that's what it has come down to. So the way I estimate it, Chris, the way, the way I put it down to, it's creative direction why he left, okay? He was not happy with how he was being used. And other wrestlers were also unhappy about him being used. So he said, you know what? If you're not going to use me, then let me go. I don't want to be here. So what makes me – what impresses me is that Andrade had the boss to stand up for himself. Okay? Because some wrestlers don't do that. And Andrade requested his release. He was granted it on March 21st. In WWE, he was a one-time NXT champion and, like you said, a United States champion. He was known as La Sombra in New Japan Pro Wrestling and CMLL before coming to NXT. What's interesting about his contract release is that he doesn't have the 90-day no-compete clause, so he can go anywhere he wants and end up on TV. With that said, I'm sure he'll find success anywhere he goes, but where do you think Andrade will end up? I'm sure that the top promotion in Mexico, uh, AAA Lucha Libre, is definitely... They, I mean, I wonder if he has that in mind, or if they, or if they, or if they have him in mind. So I'm sure that's a, that's definitely where he could end up. I'm sure he can go back to Japan. You know, of course, you know, as, as soon as a wrestler gets in, released from WWE, of course, wrestling fans are always going to tease the same thing. AEW is going to pick him up. That's certainly possible, but but I'm going to answer your question in a way like because we know how we know about his wrestling, like you know, before his WWE run, like he was big in Japan. So obviously, if he was big in Japan, I'm sure he would welcome a return to Japan. But since he's also big in Mexico, I'm sure the top promotion in Mexico would love to have him there. The opportunities, I mean, he's, there's the opportunities out there. The only reason that will make things difficult, obviously, is because you know the pandemic. So it'd be difficult for him to travel to Japan. But I, but I know that he's gonna be, he's gonna be fine. He's gonna find work. Like I said, he'll definitely be successful no matter where he goes. I personally would like to see him in AEW. And with their working relationships with NWA and Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe they can work something out because New Japan Pro Wrestling does run events in the United States now. So maybe we'll see Andrade there. Our next topic, the WWE Hall of Fame. 
Last year, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we did not get to induct the 2020 Hall of Famers. They just started announcing the 2021 inductees, and recently it was announced the 2020 inductees will also be inducted this year. So going into the Hall of Fame this year, we have Molly Holly, Eric Bischoff, Kane, the great Kali, and Rob Van Dam. And also going in from last year, JBL, the British Bulldog, Jushin Thunder Liger, William Shatner, Titus O'Neil, the NWO, and the Bella Twins. Well, I'm, I'm glad that the, the inductees that are, were unable to be inducted last year are going to be taken care of this year. And, you know, the British Bulldog being inducted in the Hall of Fame, you know, just another uh, posthumous inductee. Long overdue. You know, you know, long the, overdue. Yes, long over, long, yes, indeed. A one-time Intercontinental Champion, a two-time European Champion. The list goes on, you know, the hardcore champion, you know, tag team champion. You know, he was actually once part of the tag team, the British Bulldogs, before he embarked on his singles run. Uh, and we remember he teamed up with uh, the late Owen Hart. And, you know, I remember him in the Attitude Era. The Attitude Era cut looked different, like, you know, wrestled in jeans. And I actually did research on that because I wanted to know, so how did he come up with that idea? And he said, and they, it says that he kind of did this because he wanted to fit in with the Attitude Era. So, you know, I, I like I like how he I like his style. Like, he wants to fit in with the current environment of how wrestling's done. So. Unfortunately, those weren't his best days in the WWE. What's really great is Eric Bischoff going into the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, everyone was shocked when he first showed up on Raw as a general manager. And everyone was like, yeah, that would would never happen. It happened. And now he's going into the WWE Hall of Fame, which is well-deserved. He, it is okay, and whether we like Bischoff or not, look, you know, everybody, you know, I, I was asked because you know I, I've expressed how mad I was, you know, about the fact that he tried to ruin McFoley's night, and I said, well, look, it was a long time ago, you know, you know, let's move on. I mean, you know, move on. WCW went down, you know, he he came to the WWE, he did great things, you know, you know, let's focus more on, on the positive things that Eric Bischoff's done rather than the negative things. So you've buried the hatchet with Eric Bischoff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yes. We are hearing it right here on Wrestling with a Bear. The Bear Man has buried the hatchet with Eric Bischoff. Because, you know, as I grew older and, you know, when you lose a business like that and and you go through a lot of, you know, you go through difficult times, it really makes me feel bad because I feel like, you know what, nobody deserves to go through that kind of hell. So, yeah. So as I grew up, I was like, you know what, I'm getting more mature. So I was like, you know what? He was he he was a great GM, you know, great heel. And, you know, all the storylines were amazing. So. So Eric Bischoff really did give us a lot to cheer about. He definitely did. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers going in this year, Rob Van Dam. I, 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 I remember watching him from ECW to when he first came to WWE with the whole invasion angle. It, Rob Van Dam is a huge inspiration to me as a professional wrestler. So I'm really excited for Rob Van Dam to be inducted into the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, it's about time to. I mean, you know, we talked about British Bulldog being long overdue, but I think the one and only, the one of a kind, Rob Van Dam was long overdue as well. You know, I've loved his style of wrestling, the high flying, the martial arts. I mean, his wrestling gear was was even unique. It was awesome. I'm not a fan of the singlet. Me personally wearing a singlet because I'm skinny as shit. He did. He had some of the best singlets I've ever seen in wrestling. The whole airbrush, 
that that was amazing. Uh, always having dragons and yin yangs in his designs. I loved his gear. Kane, talk about long overdue. Kane, Kane. I'm gonna say it one more time. Kane, who's now the mayor in a city in Tennessee, I think Knoxville, Tennessee. He is a Hall of Famer, a mayor, a former WWE champion, a former world champion, a former hardcore champion, former tag team. Cha- I think he's won every belt. Just such a unique thing. The mask, the background story with him and the Undertaker, him being burned when he was a kid. The day that he unmasked and he's on a psychotic tirade, he tells people, don't make fun of me. If you were watching wrestling at the time and you you remember Kane's debut ripping the door off the hell in the cell and helping Shawn Michaels win, we heard the story of Undertaker's little brother coming. The Undertaker gimmick, when you think about it, it's silly. It should have never worked in the 90s, but it did because they found a way to keep Undertaker relevant. And now they're going to add a, a brother to him. And you're like, OK, how is this going to work? This was believable. I was frightened of Kane as a kid. I always wanted to know what he looked like under the mask. And now I wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely uh. frightened me as a kid. And uh, I always look forward to Undertaker kicking his ass. <laughs> but I'm so I'm so happy to see Kane go into the Hall of Fame. Molly Holly going in this year, pioneer of the women's division. She was one of those women that didn't really want to get involved in those bra and panties matches. Like you watch Molly Holly matches, most of her matches were wrestling matches. Uh, I love the stuff she did with Hurricane as Mighty Molly. (laughs) She hit him with a frying pan. I'll never forget that. (laughs) (laughs) When the Hollies were feuding with the Dudleys and she had the love affair with Spike Dudley. I mean, so many countless moments with Molly Holly. She was trained by Dean Malenko, wasn't she? I believe she was, yeah. I mean, well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's just amazing. That, you know, it doesn't surprise me how talented she is. I mean, you know, and, and that's why I praise her. Like, the fact that she had no, she wanted nothing to do with those brawn panties matches, you know. You know, I praise her for that. I praise her for that because, you know, the part where I am in wrestling now, and as, and as an adult, you know, I feel like, you know what, these brawn panties matches and whatnot – now that I look at it, I never really did enjoy them. I mean, obviously, as a kid, it's a different story. But now when you're in a different mindset, you're like, wow, yeah. I mean, yeah. She was really st- – she was, she was standing up. You know, she was standing up for the female wrestlers. She was, setting an exa- she was setting an example. To see where wrestling came from when she came in to where women's wrestling is now, hats off to her. Give her a round of applause because she really helped pave the way. Now, there is one inductee this year that – Made me go, hmm. And that one is the great Kali. Now, I'm sure that this is due to his influence on Indian wrestling fans. I'm 100% sure that that's what it is. But to throw him in the Hall of Fame, I don't mean to disrespect any talent that puts their body on the line in the ring. As a professional wrestler, I respect every talent in that ring. But I wouldn't say he's had a Hall of Fame-worthy career well unfortunately it's true because what started out as him being a dominant unstoppable heel quickly translated to an absolute comedy show and some critics today say he never had a unique wrestling ability like he never had he could never get over like nothing ever went right with him that's what I'm leaning towards, you know, and it's, again, you know, hell, you you put in your time, you know, you, you was on TV and 
but he wasn't the best wrestler. He really didn't have, and I'm not saying you have to be the best wrestler to, to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying, you know, he didn't have a Hall of Fame career either to kind of back that up. Like, Ultimate Warrior wasn't the best wrestler, but he had a Hall of Fame career. He had Hall of Fame moments. Great Khali, not so much. And I'm sure he did have a lot of influence in bringing in Indian professional wrestling fans. And I applaud him for that. But I don't think that alone is deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Our next subject we're going to talk about is the WWE Network moving to Peacock. So the plan with the WWE Network moving to Peacock is by April 5th, I believe, is to have the WWE Network done. Um, There will be no subscription to the WWE Network. It will be, I guess, defunct, as they say. And the goal is to have the WWE Network library in its entirety on Peacock by SummerSlam in August. They have a five-year deal with Peacock that's reportedly worth more than $1 billion. There's been quite a spat on social media amongst the wrestling community over the content being edited on Peacock because Peacock is a family-friendly network. They are editing past WWE shows. Because they're a family-friendly network, a family-friendly company, they're going to be editing out controversial content and content that really wouldn't fly by today's standards. One of which, in particular, is WrestleMania VI in 1990, Roddy Piper took on Bad News Brown. Now, Piper, who is a Caucasian, a white wrestler, painted his body half black for his match against Brown, who is an African-American wrestler. And he had cut a promo on Bad News Brown prior to the match. Well, apparently that match, along with the interview, has been scrubbed from the Peacock version of WrestleMania VI. So the match nor that interview will be available or is available on Peacock. Another segment that was edited out is the 2005 Survivor Series, where Vince McMahon said the N-word to John Cena, which made Booker T react by saying, tell me he didn't just say that, which is one of Booker T's quotes. Now, what I find funny is around that time when that happened, a WWE spokesperson told TMZ that the slur was part of an outlandish and satirical skit involving fictional characters similar to that of many scripted television shows and movies. If that was the reason for for that flying back in 2005, isn't that still the same thing here, that these are characters? These are not real people saying these things. These are just characters saying, saying these things. Absolutely. But speaking of Booker T, Chris, isn't there that moment in WCW when he cut that promo? Yeah, we know 100% that's, that's not going to fly. I have to agree with these examples um, with racism. I have to agree with that. Uh, by today's standards, know that, you know, with everything that has been going on in, you know, the last few years, maybe it's best to scrub that from uh, wrestling history. But it's just that you're scrubbing history. History is not to be fabricated. But here we are fabricating history. And it makes me think, what else is going to be scrubbed? Brian Pillman's Pillman's Got a Gun segment? Or his segments with Marlena? Val Venus? What about Val Venus' segments? The Godfather and his hoe train? Light up a fatty for this pimp daddy? When the DX impersonated the Nation of Domination. How much of the Attitude Era is going to be edited out? 
how much stone cold content is going to be edited out. And another one that actually just came to mind, the Mexicools. I don't know if you remember the Mexicools, Juventud Guerrero, Super Crazy and Psychosis. That was a very, very racist gimmick. You know, speaking of the Mexicals, because I spoke to my friend about this not long ago. My friend, you know, who's a Mexican descent, you know, his, his he tells me stories about how his dad and grandpa used to go to the matches, you know, back then. But he told me what surprises him more is that the fact that the guys like Juventud Guerrero and Psychosis, both who are, you know, well-known in the wrestling world, especially in Mexico, he says what surprises him is that they they agreed to do this. I'm like, well... How do we know if technically they agreed? I mean, you got to keep in mind, you know, they wanted their job. So, you know, we don't we don't know the situation. But yeah, they, I, I did not like it, to be honest. I mean, I don't think anybody did. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, you know, I laughed as a kid because you don't really understand what's happening. You know, you really don't you don't fully under. Well, I was I was a teenager, but you fully don't understand the effects of racism. Now, as an adult, and you see what's going on in the world, and yeah, we, we do have to kind of change. And But I also think, on the other hand, not everything is as bad as is being conceived. Not everything was meant to be racist. You know, not everything was meant to be sexist or misogynistic. Not everything was meant that way. Things come off that way. Maybe that wasn't the intention. The intention was to get a few laughs. The intention was to create shock value for TV. The intention wasn't certainly to put off a racist vibe or a sexist vibe. Uh, It certainly definitely came off that way. And I think in this, when it comes to the editing on the new Peacock version of the WWE Network, it's pick and choose. I mean, who really is to judge what's right and wrong for people to watch on TV? We as the viewers have always been that judge, have we not? Yes, we have indeed. Should I have been seven years old watching Stone Cold throw the middle fingers up and opening up a candle? Should I have been watching that? No, I shouldn't have. But can I blame WWE for having me go around telling people to suck it and throwing up the flipping the bird to people? No, I can't blame that on WWE. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I, there's something I need to let out because you know the way you just said that now, now makes me ask like, should I blame people because I once called a, I once called a bully a jabroni? I mean, if you don't want your kid to see something, you don't allow your child to watch something. If you yourself as an adult don't like the way something is or don't like the vibe a certain show gives or a product gives, then you have that you have that American right, that freedom to choose to watch something else. You don't have to watch that where we don't we don't live in a in a communist country to where You have to watch this. You have to say this. You have to listen to this. We have these choices. So, yeah, was a lot of this stuff kind of fucked up? Yeah. But then again, with the choice of subscribing to a network and the choice of paying for content, just because you're a Peacock subscriber doesn't mean you have to watch WWE. So you're making that choice to watch that content. And there was never an issue with it being on the WWE Network. They, As long as they had that disclaimer up that, hey, you're watching some content that may not be suitable and may, you know, <laughs> maybe a little fucked up. So I, I just think if you don't want to watch something, don't watch it. Um, just because you're not laughing doesn't mean it's not funny. Just because you think it's funny doesn't mean it is funny. You know, it's. Have respect for other people. You know, don't ruin everybody else's good time because you're not having a good time. Go find something that does give you a good time. 
there's a lot to think about as a wrestling fan. I'm like, oh, this sucks, you know. But as an adult, I have to say, okay, maybe some of this is needed and maybe some of it isn't as bad as it's portrayed or as it's being conceived. As part of a weekly segment here, if you're not one of the 2,000 readers of his blog, we're going to let him serenade you with a audio version of his blog. This is No Claws Barred. 2006 was quite a memorable year for World Wrestling Entertainment. The highlight of that year truly had to be the summer. Who will ever forget when Triple H turned into a face for the first time since 2002, he realigned himself with Shawn Michaels and D-Generation X was reformed. We also remember the feud between John Cena and Edge, as well as the debut of the Great Khali, and that mysterious feud between Kane and an imposter Kane. But there's one feud that is actually very well remembered. It's Mick Foley and Ric Flair. But you know, there's one thing that's really interesting, and that's the fact that this feud was based off of legitimate heat between the two, going back to their time with WCW in the early 90s. Foley had surprisingly turned heel, okay? He had aligned himself with Edge, with whom he had feuded with since the beginning of the year. The, f- the feud between Mick Foley and Ric Flair began on Monday Night Raw after ECW One Night Stand. They had that segment to where Ric Flair would attack Mick Foley by even saying, You fall off a cage and you're great? And Mick Foley would counter by saying, Nobody remembered Ric Flair's classic matches with the likes of Harley Race at the 1983 Starcade or against Ricky Steamboat in New Orleans, or even the the famous I Quit match with Terry Funk. It was a feud to where both guys would criticize each other, but take it to heights that nobody would have ever expected. Like for another example, Ric Flair would refer to Foley as a glorified stuntman, and say that Foley's hardcore moments were meaningless. So for the next few weeks, both guys cut immense promos on each other, even going as far as making the fans think that the legitimate heat was actually going on. In other words, fans actually thought that rather than a work, these guys were truly shooting on each other. It's no surprise, really, that this rivalry had to be taken to the next level. It was about giving the fans something to enjoy and to talk about. At Vengeance of that year, Flair and Foley squared off in a 2 out of 3 false match where Flair emerged victorious. After the match, however, Foley attacked Ric Flair with a barbed wire baseball bat. In the following weeks, Flair would then begin to challenge Foley to another match to put an end to this feud once and for all. Foley would refuse, even in his promo saying, and I quote, I've got a few ma- good matches left in this body, and I will not waste it on a washed up piece of crap like you. These guys really had to take those promos so high, didn't they? It was about entertainment, wasn't it? But eventually, the two agreed upon an I quit match at SummerSlam. Ric Flair would emerge victorious, and the feud was over. The I Quit match went exactly the way fans could have ever anticipated. We all remember Mick Foley came in the ring with a barbed wire baseball bat, thumbtacks, a trash can, all the likes. So Mick Foley was truly kind of putting on a Cactus Jack act. So the two would battle it out, and the way it ended was the perfect way to end the beef. After that, Mick Foley would be kayfabe fired the next night, while Ric Flair would not be seen for a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Bear of Texas, a.k.a. Alex Alcazaz, with his audio reading of No Claws Barred, which is available at our website, restwithabear.com, W-R-E-S-W-I-T-H-A-B-A-A-R.com. 
That's where you'll find our podcast, No Clothes Barred. And soon, we'll be having exclusive Wrestling with a Bear merchandise. Me and Alex have been talking about some products that we're going to be putting out and some designs that we love, that we can't wait to share with you guys. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at Rest with a Bear, W-R-E-S-W-I-T-H-A-B-E-A-R. Alex, let them know where they can find you. You can find me, ladies and gentlemen, on Twitter. My personal page, at Bearman of Texas. That's Bearman of Texas, but keep in mind, it's just T-X. You can also find me on my podcast page, the Bear of Texas podcast. That is at bear tx underscore podcast and you can find me on all social media platforms at rex russells that's r-e-x-w-r-e-s-t-l-e-s please share this show out we're looking forward to tampa generation championship wrestling josh barnett's blood sport and we'll be attending wrestlemania Again, thank each and every one of you for taking the time out to listen to us. Keep supporting professional wrestling.